Attention culture consumers. Join me, the queen of queries, Sarah O'Connor and my band of nerdy knights. Colleen McMillan. Flo Siegel. And Anders Drew. On Bohemian Geek Studies, where we take extremely dorky dives into our favorite fandoms, especially that Star Wars galaxy far, far away. Listen each week as we examine the stories that mean so much to us. Bohemian Geek Studies is available wherever you get your podcasts and is proudly part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. Do you like beer? Do you like podcasts? Do you like beer podcasts? Then check out Crackin' One Open, a podcast about brews, news, and pop culture reviews. Every week we crack open a new craft beer from breweries around the country. And sometimes the world. We'll talk about how it was made, what's in it, the history of the brew, and the brewery. Then we'll give our tasting notes, and while we're finishing up, we'll talk about some of the latest goings-on in the world of pop culture. So check out Kraken When Open with Mike and Elise, part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. Hello there. I'm Colleen. I'm Anders. And I'm Daniel. We're three nerds that met through our love of science fiction and fantasy storytelling. Of course, one of our favorites is George Lucas' signature achievement, Star Wars. And if there's one thing the internet definitely doesn't have enough of, it's nerds talking about Star Wars. So here we are with yet another Star Wars podcast, where every week we journey to a galaxy far, far away to discuss one of the films in the current Star Wars canon. We'll talk about how our relationship with the film has changed over time, how the film builds on what came before it, and forms our understanding of the Force. Finally, we'll provide you with some recommendations for other material you may enjoy if you love these movies just like we do. And this week, we're joined by a very special guest star. Get back again, she can't be stopped. From Bohemian <laughs> Geek Studies, we have the queen of queries, Sarah O'Connor. Hello, it is an Woo. absolute thrill to be back <laughs> amongst you amazing Star Wars talented experts. Woo. Yes, Aww. experts. <laughs> well, I get quote, to serve quote. as the excited Padawan, so that's my like yeah. little position here. <laughs> Perfect. Well, this week, we're going to be looking at 2015's Episode 7, The Force Awakens, the first major Disney Star Wars film, guys. Uh, but before we get started, this episode is dropping on Star Wars Days. Uh, so, guys, may the fourth be with you. And also with you. Woo! Happy Star Woo-hoo. Wars Day, guys. It's also a pretty major big day, though, in Star Wars fandom, because the Bad Batch premiered today. <laughs> All 70 minutes of that first episode. Yes. So excited. So just as a quick little celebration of all of this stuff, I wanted to ask you guys what generally one thing you love about Star Wars and one thing you're excited for for the Bad Batch. So happy Star Wars Day. I really love the mythos of Star Wars. Pretty mm-hmm. much the more mystical you can get in the Star Wars content, the more that I love it. So Rebels is probably my Star Wars, my most favorite Star Wars movie or show because of the world between worlds and the mysticism that the series contains and Bendu and all of that. But you know what? I have to say I'm super excited for this movie because you get some of that mythos with Rey and how powerful she is. And I'm really, really, really excited to be able to talk with you guys about that today and when it comes to the bad batch i'm going to pick two things not just one um i'll keep it quick i think wrecker is an absolute hilarious character he has some really great punchlines, and i'm really looking forward to falling in love with him more and then i cannot wait to see what the backstory is on this kid and what they bring Mm. to the table because i was not expecting a little person in this show and i'm really 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 excited to see what they bring 
Yes. Same. We only get to choose one. Sarah said, <laughs> Sarah heck that. Sarah said, heck that. So I'll probably do that too. Um, most looking forward to in the Bad Batch Rex content. Please give all of the Rex to us. And I really want to see if Sarah's and my really early from Clone Wars season seven kind of prediction comes true if our little sharpshooter is gonna be bad if he's gonna break bad batch on us and turn on his brothers very interested to see if that happens mm-hmm. yeah Sarah, we'll see for star wars in general i love rebels also love 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 everything about it but i worship at the altar of carrie fisher and princess leia both <laughs> women are such like a force to be reckoned with and the actor and character bring me joy pretty much every day if i'm thinking about carrie fisher or leia i'm happy that's fantastic uh Carrie Fisher, we love you. Um, so I love, I'm, I can't just say one. I have to mention my love of space battles. Space is the best and I love it. Um, also, I love when Star Wars isn't afraid to stray from the light and dark dichotomy and they kind of sit in the gray of things like you see in yeah. Rogue One, The Mandalorian, Clone Wars, and of course my favorite, KOTOR 2. Uh, <laughs> and for the Bad Batch, I am really happy to see more of Echo. I am so happy to see him. Um, I just... I hope he's doing well and he's adjusting to his new life in the batch and his, you know, cybernetics. Cool. And on my end, I mean, Star Wars in general, I'd say the thing I love most is the characters. I love spending time with the characters. Shouts to my guy, Hondo Anaka. Um, And then (laughs) Bad Batch. Hondo. And then (laughs) Bad Batch. Similar thing. The character I'm really looking forward to seeing again. Migna Wen as Fennec Shand coming back. Yes. Oh my gosh. I had forgotten about that. Yeah, I know everyone's excited for the clones, but no, give me, <laughs> bring in the cavalry. No, oh, I'm I'm with you on that, Anders. I'm more interested in the side characters than the bad batches themselves, but you know, I'm excited. Yeah, yeah, we've all said like, oh, we want to see Rex. <laughs> like, yes, we do want to see the bad batch, but a lot of Star Wars is about the side characters that you kind of are like, but wait, where's Hondo or? Where's Maul? Like, we want to know where these other people are. (laughs) Yes. And I think between all of us, we will be doing some very deep dive coverage into the Bad Batch. What form that fully is going to take, keep an eye on our social media channels and on Bohemian Geek Studies channels, because I'm pretty sure BGS will have a detailed dorky dive into the Bad Batch. (laughs) But getting into our main topic today, The Force Awakens. Guys, Yes. this movie blew up when it premiered so this movie premiered on december 14th 2015 wide release was a few days later december 18th it was directed by jj abrams co-written by jj abrams lawrence kasdan that guy who wrote a little film called empire strikes back (laughs) and michael arndt it grossed 936.7 million dollars us and canada 1.132 billion dollars overseas for a total box office gross of $2.068 billion. It was the 24th movie to ever cross the billion dollar mark and the fastest at the time to reach that milestone in just 12 days. It was the third movie to ever cross the $2 billion mark, which it did so in about 53 days. My word. I know. So impressive. Yeah. I did also see um, the estimated profit of the film. So when you take out the film's budget, the marketing budget, everything else associated with it, the profit was around like $780 million for Disney. Holy crap. Good Lord. Which when you think they bought, they bought 
Star Wars from Lucas. They bought Lucasfilm for what was it, four billion dollars? Mm-hmm. So they pretty much made almost a quarter of that back on their first outing. <laughs> Incredible. <laughs> That's yeah. Oh man. But getting into uh, actual discussion on the movie itself, guys, what did you think of this movie? Do you remember the first time you saw it? Do you remember? I mean, this one's a little bit more recent than most of the movies we've talked mm-hmm. about so far. How has your relationship with the movie kind of evolved over the over these last few years? And do you remember the hype? Uh, the lead up to this movie was so much fun since, you know, uh, I'm I'm from a Star Wars family. We love this so much. We were devouring all the trailers. I remember one of them came out like I think it was Thanksgiving Day in 2014. And we like crowded around the um, the laptop to watch it. And it was just so fun. And it was it was so much fun. And then I got to the theater at midnight with one of my best friends and we watched it. And it was just everything I wanted Um, over time, I think. I kind of understand like some of the criticisms where it feels a little bit like a new hope rehashed, but that doesn't stop me from enjoying the shit out of this movie. I love it so much. Um, it's just so much fun. It's just a good fun movie. Um, I do have some issues with JJ Abrams, which we'll discuss later, but that really doesn't detract from just what a good ride it is. I completely agree. Such a great first line too for that opening crawl, like that chill inducing Luke Skywalker has vanished. Like, Mm -hmm. oh crap, I guess we're really just jumping right in. I love this movie. It is a bit of a New Hope redo kind of, but it's fun. It's a really fun movie. I remember seeing it in the theater with my friends. What, Anders? I was gonna say, anytime people say like, oh, it's just a New Hope over again. I'm just like, so what? Is that bad? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) they do it so well that i like it exactly it hits every single like mark that you would want i hardly have any unbearables coming up for this movie we were so excited just to get to see new star wars and we were very cautious in going into it because of the prequels and just kind of preconceived notions of jj abrams from the star trek movies being like should he be touching star wars we don't know we'll see you going in i thought so I saw it a bunch of times in the theaters and I loved it. On the rewatch, it zips along at a really great pace. I hardly noticed that it was two and a half hours long. Mm-hmm. And the main actors have fantastic chemistry, which we will talk about later. Yeah, I cannot agree with you two more. I mean, so I won't rehash it. What I will say is I remember sitting in the movie theater for that first watch, slightly tipsy, and to see that huge ship just bleed across the screen after seeing such an intense crawler you just knew that you were in for such a ride and then for the first thing for you to kind of experience is almost experiencing what a stormtrooper feels like i mean Mm -hmm. that was absolutely unprecedented for the time and so you just knew that yes this was star wars but it was something new and it was something powerful and you had to sit there and you just had to just let it wash over you it is an absolutely incredible movie i adore it it's Um, so visceral there's blood (laughs) a disney star wars movie that opening act is one of the best in star wars it's absolutely opening scene is fantastic Absolutely. The blood on the stormtrooper helmet that again, absolutely unprecedented. And that was the first five minutes. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's yeah. it's incredible when you think everything that was packed into that first five minutes. And so, yes, 
unlike most of my Star Wars movies, I did remember the first time I saw it. And and I remember the hype and I remember thinking, finally, I get to see a woman on stage like be a Jedi. <laughs> like, yes. I'm almost starting to cry right now because yes. that was again unprecedented like you know it's the trifecta so my relationship to the film how it's evolved i've just appreciated it more and more and i've worn my hair like ray and i just i love it through and through awesome yeah i just i remember all of the hype leading up to this movie everyone was so excited i mean even just the title the force awakens and we're like what does Mm -hmm. that mean what's it gonna be like like you guys talked about the first few minutes everything about this movie is just epic in scale and then i was able to appreciate it some a little bit more kind of as a little bit more of an adult you know um i was able to recognize actors from like other properties for the first time like the first time you're seeing a movie whereas you know the main cast is mostly unknowns but Mm -hmm. you know i actually knew who oscar isaac was i knew um domino gleason (laughs) from the harry Mm -hmm. potter series and from a few other things i recognized some of the smaller cameos you know we'll talk about simon pegg in a little bit and that was kind of a cool experience to see all those little nods and Easter eggs and actually be able to pick up on them and kind of participate in that conversation for the first time on mm-hmm. like the first watch of, of a Star Wars movie, which is something I hadn't mm-hmm. been able to do before. Getting into some of the actual details, though, we will start with our favorite ships, our favorite starships that are featured in this movie. Daniel, kick us off. Oh, and Finn. <laughs> uh, <laughs> always and forever. <laughs> Let's just start with that out of the way. Just get that there. All right. Yeah, you're right. Oh, my goodness. I specified starships Um, from the jump. Yes. (laughs) So Kylo Ren shuttle. It's it's so goofy. Those wings are so tall. It doesn't really make much sense, but it's so cool looking. Mm -hmm. I I don't get it, but it it speaks to me. (laughs) It definitely screams Kylo. Yes. (laughs) I mean, you want to talk like Darth Vader comparisons and Kylo. It's got a nice uh-huh. flat top for him to stand on as it as it comes down. <laughs> the platform. I heard Grandpa did that once. <laughs> um, similar though to the kind of the updated shuttle, the updated Star Destroyers, I think, look so terrifying. so cool. They are so much. Yeah, mm-hmm. they're terrifying. They just look so intimidating on screen. A little bit larger than the ones that we're used to, and I I just want to say more like layered. They look a little bit bulkier and like they're distinct. You can almost like see the distinct decks with the level of detail that they put into these things. And they just look so cool. It looks amazing. Yeah. But I think my favorite little individual ship is probably Ray's speeder that she has on Jakku. It is entirely custom made that she made. She made it herself from some scavenged parts, kind of a mix Mm -hmm. between a speeder and a swoop, which is a much more dangerous version of a speeder, usually formed from an old pod racer. Just an engine and a seat. That's all you need. Anytime the swoops are in a book, I'm like, ooh, somebody's going to crash. This is going to be great. (laughs) Um, This one I really like. Han and Chewie's freighter. They're kind of home away from the Falcon. It's called the Aravana. It's a Baleen class heavy freighter. I love that they named it the Baleen class which I did not know before doing this outline. And during the movie watching it, I was like, that looks like a whale swallowing krill or like a whale shark with its <laughs> mouth open. And then I found out it's called the Baleen class. 
and that's from a whale. A whale eats krill ah. and shrimp with the little baleen teeth things in its mouth. Yes, it has the baleen because it doesn't have teeth. Yep. The that ship is suddenly so cute now. <laughs> it is yeah, so adorable. I'm like this poor giant ship that just gets torn apart by the yeah. red stars. Like, oh. oh, I love it. Sarah, how about you? So let's talk for a quick little se- second about the Resistance X-Wings and Pose specifically. Pose X-Wing is so <laughs> sick. It's a T-70 model with a unique paint job mm-hmm. because, of course, just like his droid, like Poe is so freshy fresh. Of course, his <laughs> ship has to stand out from everyone else's. Like he is such a diva is the name of a mm-hmm. male hustler because that is just <laughs> what he's got to do. Yes. <laughs> That's so <laughs> true. Kylo has and his I, special ship and Poe has his. <laughs> and, and, and so speaking of which, like I know our next section is favorite alien or droid. So like, of course we have to talk about his baby BB-8. Yes. And so I love one of the things about this droid to make the storyline work. Of course, the droid has to be unique and one of a kind. And I love that they like put that out in the script and make it abundantly clear because otherwise things just kind of fall apart. Right. Cause droids can look so similar, but BB eight is absolutely one of a kind. And I remember when he was first introduced, do you guys remember what it was like seeing a robot being able to move Unsane. like that. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Again, I hate so to cool. use this word, but unprecedented. Like yes. it was absolutely <laughs> insane to see how quick mm-hmm. and just zippy BB-8 is. I love how he moves. I love the thumbs up thing. I love how he trusts Finn up. and Ray with the location of the rebel base. Everything about him, like R2-D2 and Chopper are pure sass. BD-8 is just purity embodied in a metal form. He is just so so lovely and sweet. Speaking of purity and thumbs up and all of that about BB-8, I completely agree. Up until this rewatch, I was utterly convinced that BB-8 was not doing a thumbs up, but that he was flicking Flicking. off Finn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, I thought that this whole time. Yeah, and then my roommate pointed out that like, no, he's he's giving him the thumbs up and you're so right. BB-8 is this little sweet guy who would just give the thumbs up like, okay, dude, like yes. we got this. Yep. But Gotta I was love. so convinced. that I had never thought of that before because I think his his beeps are like a little positive in that thing and it just like, sounds so cool. I love BB-8. He is my Star Wars Christmas ornament. Aww. Aww. <laughs> like, oh. And he's a practical effect, which I appreciate a yes. lot. They did a lot of work to do that practically. Mm-hmm. Should we move on to my favorite alien now? Absolutely. So this has got to be Maz. She understands the force so flipping well. She's like this (laughs) mystic. I mean, I talked at the top of the episode. Anytime you get someone mystic for me, like, where's my Qui-Gon? Where's my Maz? Like, where are they at? She is a wonderful short mentor to Rey to use the force, to embrace who she is. And then also to Finn in such a short order to use the lightsaber, like, where's the weapon? I need a weapon. Finn, you've got one. It's in your hand. Like, master your destiny, my dude. I also love that she's not just a pure 
mystic. She also doesn't take shit from people like Khan mm-hmm. and encourages him to do the right thing. So she's also, I don't want to say sassy, but I think maybe like firm in her convictions. She's someone who knows she, who she is. And while we don't know her species, we know that she's force sensitive and was born, this is wild, 973 years Ooh. before the Battle of Yavin Fort Wild. Absolutely she's looking wild. great for her age. She looks fantastic. She looks, yeah. Also, we just have to say, Lupita Nyong'o, yes, you, you did so great yes. voicing Maz Kanata. Amazing. I love her. More Maz, please. In the Lego. Right? Anything she shows up in the Lego, I'm like, yay! Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. She's, she's great, and I, I wish we got more of her. Mm-hmm. Um, Absolutely. So I have to talk about Unkar Plutt the junk boss uh, crow loot on Jakku. I actually don't like him at all. He's a jerk. Yes, uh, he tried right. to take BB-8 away. Um, he's awful, but it's Simon Pegg under there. So yeah. that makes me happy. We love Simon Pegg. Yes. Um, but uh, Unkar, you, you're, yeah, you're canceled. We don't like you, bud. Um, and then also <laughs> we need to talk about Elo Asti. He's the Abednego pa- uh, pilot. He's one of the first alien pilots we ever get in Star Wars uh, on screen. I know we get some in the extended universe, but that's an X-wing on pilot, screen, right? This is awesome. Exactly, mm-hmm. uh, X-wing pilot when they go to attack a Starkiller base. Mm-hmm. Um, he's also one of the first new species introduced in Star Wars by Disney. Um, there, we see a few other of his species in the movie, uh, but I just want to talk about him because he's a pilot, and I love my spaceships. <laughs> and you just don't get that many alien pilots, like. Give us more, please. Um, this one, <laughs> we had pointed out Unkerplot from Jakku. This one is the organic droid hybrid mount of that Jakku scrapper Tidu, who's a dick also. The guy that captures BB-8 in that net and is trying to pull him along. Mm-hmm. But this poor creature is called a Lugga Beast. According to Wikipedia, they were found on Frontier Worlds. Their masks were fused permanently onto their faces Ugh. and mechanical invasive systems enhance their durability and working capabilities well beyond their natural abilities. Gross. They did not require food or water as nutrients were fed directly into them by wires. So I thought we were going to get through this episode without you hurting me with, uh, with an animal <laughs> fact, but here we are. So I'm so sorry. Here we are. I was like, oh, what a nice little dog hybrid, uh, like little dog uh, robot thing. I didn't know it was a hybrid. I put it in the script as a fun robot. And then Colleen comes in and says, hey, actually, your dreams are about to be shattered. Oh, no. I personally would have put my money before this on that happening somehow with the Rathars, that we would find out that the Rathars were just like chilling in their own little like island paradise somewhere and han and han comes down and takes them that's not the case <laughs> no they're murder that. beasts they, <laughs> they are, are just straight beasts. up murder beasts. yeah <laughs> but i gotta say though my main alien shout out this time it's his fifth movie mm-hmm. in the franchise but i'm leaving this one to chewbacca he freaking slaps in this movie he is so yes. funny mm-hmm. <laughs> i just love his his little reactions to han and Obviously, Harrison Ford just playing off of that with all of his charisma and everything. But then there's that scene where Finn's trying to patch him up as they're running away. (laughs) And he's just being like a petulant child and a terrible patient. Which pays off later when he has that awesome scene with the doctor and she's like totally sarcastically coddling him. Like, 
oh that sounds scary you must be very brave and he's just like yeah yeah mm-hmm, i am mm-hmm. <laughs> um while we're talking about chewbacca though i love when han and leia get reunited and it's so awkward and chewbacca just walks right up to leia gives her a big old yes. hug oh, because yeah. that's who he is yeah absolutely he's like good luck han i'm out mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I know this, I didn't do anything this is our, wrong. This is our girl. All right. So moving into our next section here, our untouchables and our unbearables. Uh, I'll start us off with my untouchables. So Daniel, you mentioned um, Lupita and her great work as Maz up at the top. Mm-hmm. I do want to give Disney some credit here with generally their casting um, and who they put into prominence and who they peppered into the background. So you know, we have Ray front and center as the main lead. We have Finn, a black stormtrooper. All that bullshit controversy that that stirred up on the internet. Why don't you remind listeners, since it's been yeah. a, a beat, what that actually was? Uh, I just remember when when he there pops were, up uh, in the middle the of the trailer, desert. The first trailer. The mm-hmm. very first trailer. It's one of the first shots you see is Finn popping right. up. And it's a black man wearing a stormtrooper uniform. Internet troll boys went insane they were wow. people threatened to boycott the movie yeah just yeah it was just it was awful and bio in that case things said about john boyega like yeah and in that case disney did not really step up to the plate and defend their choices and their actors something that they are starting to learn how to do yeah but i do want to give also some credits particularly when it comes to maz and phasma because i think that there is a I mean, if you're going to put Gwendolyn Christie in a movie and then you like don't really show her face, that is, that's a criticism what? there. It's wild. But putting women in roles that theoretically, it does not matter who is under that mask. It does not matter right. who is doing the motion capture for Maz. But to start to populate those types of roles is, it's a different type of representation on screen, but it is still an important one to kind of pepper the background. No, you have to do both. You have to do the front and center mm-hmm. and the background. Um, but I did want to call out that because I also don't think we were talking about Phasma at any other point and I can't <laughs> not talk about right. Gwendolyn Christie. <laughs> oh, She's incredible. She's such an incredible <laughs> actress. Uh, but my main untouchable for this movie is the opening. We mentioned it up top. That first like five minutes gives you such an incredible intro into the state of the galaxy, major key characters, some pretty major plot points, the visual tone that the entire movie is going to take, everything. It does, however, also contain my one unbearable from this movie, and that is Max Onsaito's Laura Santeca, who does not get named in the movie. We find that out just in the credits and such Mm -hmm. that that is his name. Who is this guy? How or why did he come into possession of this map? First of all, what is this map? Why is it in two pieces? How did he get it? Why Why do we never find this out in the movie? Like, I looked it up on Wikipedia, and the story is out there. I'm pretty sure you have to read the comics to know it. But for such a, cr- a critical plot point, you shouldn't have to do homework. It should See, be- I don't mind not knowing. I actually, I- like, I'm more, I'm more casual of a watcher, and so I'm a little bit surprised that this is your big unbearable because to me it was just kind of like I mean I don't think what makes it my unbearable I think is that we get absolutely none of it like even just a even just like a single line like in a new hope in the opening crawl 
the rebellion stole the death star plans that tells you everything you need to know and if you want you can go and explore like the entire rogue one story and that's there and it's an amazing movie we'll talk about that in Mm -hmm. a few weeks but here it's just like what is this map how the heck i think we're a little too in the dark yeah we're just a little too in the dark for pretty much the macguffin of the movie Mm-hmm. Interesting. The, cent- the central driving force in the plot. I don't mind it. <laughs> I don't. I don't mind it, but it's. I. I see definitely where you're coming from because yes, you have to go if you want that information. Like you do have to go dig. Right. Like even if it even if Lars had had like a single stuff. line that was like in all my travels with Luke, something to indicate how or why he would be in possession of this information. Just a, just a little bit there. Instead of having to be like, oh, he's of the Church of the Force and you have to go Not and find that the out. movie. <laughs> yeah. All this stuff that it's is true. like, yeah. if you actually want to know anything. So that is my that is my one unbearable. I, it is still definitely, you can still just sit back and enjoy the ride, which I do every time I watch this movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's just your knit. You're picking that knit. <laughs> I'm, I'm picking that knit. <laughs> yeah. I, I understand what you're saying, Anders. Um, well, I'll uh, I'll start bringing up some of you know my untouchables. We've we've talked about the chemistry between all the characters. They are so instantly likable. Yeah, uh, they're just such fun characters. Ray, Finn, Poe. I'm I'm in on all of them from the jump. What a fantastic casting! Uh, great performances uh, for that to be our new trio. Disney really struck some gold. And um, not to get too nitpicky in my untouchables, but, you know, they kind of messed with that in the future. Um, But for this first movie, what gold they struck. Uh, Kylo Mm -hmm. Ren. I understand people try and say, oh, he's kind of whiny. He's like, he just wants to be Vader so bad. Well, not a teenager. He's like an early 20 something. Of course, he's whiny. Yeah, he's he's a dark side user who's the grandson of Darth Vader, who's being groomed to like make himself believe he has to be. Uh, the new vader it's being groomed to become as big of a drama queen as vader yeah exactly (laughs) like he's he's just like anakin why are we upset over him like right i thought adam driver was so good um i i love when kylo loses control and just starts bashing his lightsaber on uh consoles and uh when he finds that ray's missing he freaks out like I think the, that's fantastic. The stormtroopers just control. like turn and move the other direction. Yes, yes. <laughs> They're like we're gonna so go down good. the other corridor. <laughs> mm-hmm. He doesn't kill any of his uh, men. That's a plus. What great self control there! No force uh, choking anybody. <laughs> <laughs> it's helpful. Oh, <laughs> uh, as much as I enjoy, you know, parts of of the prequels, that uh, CGI left a lot to be, you know, uh, uh, left a lot to be desired. And here, the CGI is used in conjunction with actual real sets and and real stunt work in a way that makes everything look so much better. It gels so much more. So yes. visually, I think the, this movie looks so good. The texture in this Absolutely. movie is so incredible. Everything mm-hmm. looks like you could physically reach out and touch it. Right? Like when they're on Jakku, you're like, oh, they're really in the sand there. When they're in... Um, when they're on um, Starkiller base, you're like, oh, it looks like they're in the snow. Like it, There's a realness to everything that, that's fantastic. Um, and then as a certified Starship freak, the dogfight on Starkiller base is just pure. Oh, it's just, it's amazing. 
It's everything I want. At one point, you get an in-cockpit look as someone's firing and dodging like missiles coming from the base. It's everything I want. And then uh, the last thing I'll leave us on is this fantastic quote from Maz when she sees Han Solo without Chewbacca. Where's my boyfriend? <laughs> exactly, Maz. I like She's that perfect. Wookie. <laughs> I like that Wookiee. She's so perfect. My unbearable is really just the whole J.J. Abrams mystery box shtick. Um, if you knew you were only going to write and direct the first one, don't leave so many unanswered mysteries that you know fans are going to pick apart. Who is Snoke? Why did he seduce Kylo Ren? Ray's force vision, amazing scene. I love it every time because it just, it, it enraptures you in the moment. But he left hints in there that we really don't pick up on later sometimes. Like, why is Obi-Wan reaching out to her? She literally never speaks to Obi-Wan again. Yeah. Um, why does she see Kylo Ren and the Knights of Ren when the Knights of Ren weren't there when the temple gets destroyed? Because it's implied yeah. that's the temple being destroyed. I understand yeah. some things probably weren't plotted out in the future, but if JJ, you can't plant all these little mysteries if you're not going to be there to complete it. If he had been there for the whole trilogy, perfect. Or if he had left maybe some answers on, I, I know there's debate on whether they had plotted the whole story out or not, but no, Where they did not. Notes? And we know. <laughs> yeah. To say one quick thing on the Obi-Wan front though, that it's one of my favorite like little tidbitty information from this movie at one point, um, Obi-Wan reaching out to Ray through the forest. He calls her out by name. He calls out Ray. Mm -hmm. And instead, most of the stuff they did was pulled, obviously, from Ewan McGregor. But for that one little mm -hmm. Ray, they took a clip of Alec Guinness saying the word afraid and just cut the audio of the yeah. of the Ray part. So they actually got Alec Guinness yeah. back into this movie wow. as a little Easter egg. Yeah, which I love that. I love that. So, like, I wish we did something with the JJ. <laughs> Because, um, like, I love Ray as a character, and that vision is so cool. And I was like, what is this going to mean for her? Um, it doesn't dampen how much I like Ray, but it dampens my love of JJ a bit. Um, also, like I, was, like I was saying, why do I care about the New Republic? Why, like, why do I care? We know nothing about them. They get blown up, like, the minute they're introduced. Mm -hmm. I just, yep. I, I wish that JJ had put a little bit more time into like crafting the the state of the galaxy with the republic and things like that um you know what cut the wrath tar section and just devote those minutes to to fleshing out some of the world and i would have been a lot happier but andrews like you were saying i'm still going to be along for the ride and i'm still going to love it but as a you know i like all the lore and stuff so i want to know more so mm -hmm. that's my that's my un unbearable for it so i've got a few untouchables and if anyone wants to chime in just go ahead i mean first of all we've already talked about him the cutest freaking droid <laughs> in the galaxy is introduced and of course i know i know people were saying this is a lot like a new hope but i love that he's given a piece of vital information to keep safe just like r2d2 i mean i think that that is precious and perfect i think the way that they made us feel for a stormtrooper absolutely incredible yes. Um, yes kylo's voice when he's behind the mask absolutely chilling they nailed that voice nailed it mm -hmm. 
one thing and that he I looks think, intimidating too yeah he yes, looks scary he does. yeah absolutely you don't want to mess with that guy no freaking way no i think one of the things that had been missing in the prequels was a little bit of that like star wars classic banter and mm-hmm. poe brings that han solo banter that was missing in the prequels i at least think um yes. definitely in a little bit more of an updated way like yeah. yes. i don't think han solo would have that uh that like you talk first or I talk first that he does that right in the hysterical. beginning. <laughs> it was so funny. Hysterical. So good. So good. And then when he's tortured, that was some absolutely incredible acting. Like I forget, I legitimately oh, yeah. forget sometimes in the scenes with Adam driver, the fact that the force is not real when he's like compelling Ray and Ray is shaking or he's compelling Poe and Poe is shaking. I don't know about you guys, but I feel as though the force is absolutely real. And I don't believe that I'm watching a video anymore. I believe that I'm watching a documentary about the goods. The, like, the, I mean, it's, it's absolutely incredible how their bodies shake and make you feel as if it is totally real. Mm-hmm. Um, and part of that, of course, is the sublime music. We've already mm. talked about the incredible environments, but the music itself is a character all unto itself. Yeah. Um, I... Go ahead, Anders. <laughs> no, I'm just agreeing with you. I'm saying yes. Always the music. <laughs> Always so the music. John I Williams knocking it out again. think it is so hilarious and wonderful how they treat the Millennium Falcon. Like that ship is just garbage. Yep. I think <laughs> it's absolutely hilarious to me because of course that ship isn't garbage. We know it's precious to us. It's precious to all of us, but it's this great way of showing for the younger generation, like something before came and technology advances. But mm-hmm. I just, I love how the Millennium Falcon is treated and how absolutely proficient and tech savvy Ray is because she's such a great role model for young girls. Mm-hmm. Um, and Daniel had mentioned one of the star like fights in the sky, but I think what's incredible is there were actually three spaceship spaceship chase scenes, and all of them felt spectacular. And mm-hmm. I didn't feel like any one of them was overkill. It they all made sense and all moved the plot forward, which is absolutely incredible to think that you fit that much action of that particular kind of action without Mm -hmm. it slowing the movie down that's incredible the actors Um, helped so much there the banter part with ray and finn and then finn and poe when they're back to back in the tie is just like sizzling like oh my god (laughs) the best starfighter (laughs) scene of all time (laughs) i remember this line from Oh my god, I'm blanking on the word. The the, the like, trailer. Um, the trailer. Chewy. We're home. Get the fuck out oh, of yeah. here. <laughs> yes. Like, uh, like what? Like tears. Tears. Because as Colleen said earlier, we were starving for a Star Wars movie. And it was coming home. It was coming home in the theaters. That's mm-hmm. incredible. Um, and speaking of crying about Han Solo, Ugh. I cried when Han Solo died. I mean, yes. again- Actually, I hate this movie because it killed Han Solo and it broke my heart. <laughs> 
And then my last little untouchable is that like I'm I'm a defender of droids on Bohemian Geek Studies and I love almost everything that has to do with droids in Star Wars. And the fact that BB-8 thinks that R2-D2 has the rest of the map and all of the humans are just bumbling around wondering what to do. I mean, of course that little droid did it, right? Of course that little droid is right that R2-D2 had the map all along. So I, I love how they used the droids in this movie, in, including 3CPO and the awkwardness between Han and Leia and C-3PO not being able to get out of that awkwardness. I mean, the usage of droids in this movie is absolutely phenomenal. Yes. He won't recognize me because of my red arm. Like, yeah, that's why I wouldn't recognize you. Yeah. Oh, one other like small detail with the droids and the uh and the fights or the um the chase scenes and stuff. I love when like the Falcon flips over and BB-8 just like shoots out the yes. like, grappling hooks yes. to hold himself in place. So clever. So clever. So moving on to my unbearables, I have kind of like one and a half. So I'll do the first one because I kind of, I really liked it in the movie theater, but I, but I don't necessarily like it upon reflection. I both love and hate how Ray and Finn know who Luke and Han Solo are. I like, it's a little bit wild, right? The galaxy is huge. How do they know? How do both of them? I, I mean, it's more, it's more plausible that Finn would know, but it seems so implausible to me that, that they would know who Luke and Han are. Can you guys help clear this up for me? I like that they both have different answers. Like they go, oh, yes. the smuggler? No, the general. Right, right, uh, right, right, right. So Ray says the smuggler, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. It would make yes. sense that Ray thinks of Han Solo as a smuggler because all she knows about him really is that Uncar Plutt has his ship. And Fen's like, oh, no, 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 I know him. He's a general from the Rebellion. Like he would know that from his days as a stormtrooper. So I like that the galaxy kind of knows who these people are, but they don't always know this for the same reasons. Um, Luke, I guess, like truth. he's the larger than life hero of, of the rebellion. He's the like the public face who blew up the Death Star and stuff like that. Uh, defeated Vader and the Emperor. So I feel like people would know him uh, pretty well because you know he's going to be a legend across the galaxy. But it just it makes me laugh that Han's known as the smuggler out in the outer rims, and uh, that other people know him as a general. Yeah. Oh yeah, they were probably all over the hollows at least for a little while. Yeah. And Han's big on like the racing circuit too. So he's okay. maybe known from that. But yeah, I'm sure Finn had it drilled into his head when he was a baby, when they were like bombarding him with stuff. Like this is one of the enemies of yeah. the first order. <laughs> yeah. Watch out for these people. <laughs> I think, yeah, it would make sense that like word of these people and their, and what they did. I mean, the people who blew up the Death Star twice. Um, would probably the ones who killed the emperor would probably yeah. be pretty well known throughout the galaxy i i see your point a little bit mostly with ray because ray just doesn't look like she has a lot of access to the hollow net right and things like that and this is actually gets at i i have absolutely zero problem with ray being able to do all the stuff that she can do. I think it's really cool. I think it's her force abilities are, it, it's fine. They're so well-developed. My one thing that I kind of pause at is how does she know what those force abilities are? Like maybe the, the telekinesis part, but when she pulls the mind trick on the stormtrooper, 
I'm like, I get that you're powerful enough to do that. I just don't know how you knew that that was a thing. I think because Kylo Ren tried it on her. So she mm-hmm. learns okay. right then and there. That that's makes what sense. it is. That makes sense. Okay. I think that's her, her, what you could call like either a leech ability or just her innate ability to figure yeah. out and break down kind of like Siler from Heroes. She can yeah. just force power her okay. way through that. That's how I figured it out, like figure it in my yeah. head. It's like, well, she's really awesome at everything. Well, she's got to have some she sort is pretty of damn awesome enhanced yeah. ability in order to do this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I had one more untouchable. Okay. The whole thing with Han and the two gangs, it got like really slow with the Raptars and I could have done without it, especially because, and this is my like grinds my gears within my grinds my gears, especially since Finn was captured by one of them and was able to escape. Like everyone else was being gobbled up by these Raptors and they were absolutely terrifying. But for mm-hmm. some reason, one carries Finn around the entire ship as Ray has the time to like figure out how to close the doors on it. It just, it was too much for me. And I think as Daniel said, the time could have been better spent elsewhere. So mm-hmm. that's, that's my only real gripe with the movie. But guess what? I'm still gonna watch it and I'm still gonna love it. <laughs> it's right. still a fun set. Cast chemistry, you guys. Mm. Daisy Ridley, Adam Driver, John Boyega, Oscar Isaac. They're mm. all hot. They can all act. They sizzle yes. on screen together. Like Ray mm-hmm. and Poe don't get a scene together in this movie, but every other combination is electric. Every single one of them. They're all perfect. They could all be, they are all perfect together. Any of them could end up with each other. Like, they could all be by. Yay. Give it to us, Disney. Stop <laughs> being cowards. I love that Ray's arguably the strongest, most capable person in the room. Mm-hmm. It's my favorite part of the sequels that she is this powerful and a woman. And then there's, of course, the angry, angry people calling her a Mary Sue. They can back the fuck off. Like, boo. Boom. Boo, 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 boo. boo. If she were a dude, no one would have said anything about her overpowering Kylo's mind probe or how she was able to fight with a lightsaber so quickly or fly the Falcon. And she, she was didn't able- do all of it right away. It took a hot minute. Like she can do it, but it still wasn't like instant. She carries mm-hmm. a bow staff. She's capable in hand-to-hand combat. Yeah. Exactly. She survived on her own on a desert planet. We are literally seeing her force awakening people. <laughs> title, exactly. bam, done. <laughs> the title right there. Uh, I think this movie does a really good job of showing and not telling Ray's capabilities. We see right away she lives in a tough area where there's a lot of goons trying to steal stuff from people. So she has to be good with her hand and with her bow staff. Mm -hmm. She's constantly uh, in wreckages of vehicles. So she has good technical understanding. And yeah, she's not the greatest pilot right away. She crashes the Falcon a bit, but then she catches on. Because she's a smart, competent person. We see her catch on to things when Kylo uses the force on her. She's like, oh, wait a second. I have a connection too. And she starts trying to test the waters. She's like, he can mess with my mind. Can I mess with someone else's mind? I feel like there's logical connections to everything that she does. Like you see from her environment and from what she goes through, she learns and she's quick on her feet. So 
Ray, I love you. We There's a reason you. why you're so gifted. It's because you're a badass. Yep. <laughs> I mean, Harry Potter was 14 when he pushed that Priory Incantatum spell back at Voldemort. So I don't want to hear anything <laughs> about a Anakin Skywalker blew up a droid control ship at nine years old. Why are we yes. arguing about Mary Sue's? Ray is not a Mary Sue. <laughs> no, she is not. Definitely not. We love you, Ray. Get after it. Okay, next for my. I still, I really do like this kind of cameo situation that happens in these movies. J.J. Abram, fav, like favorite actors in this movie. Ken Lung, I love him from Lost. Yes. He shows up as Admiral, I think it's Ushos O Statura. Great, love him. Wish he was in the other movies though, because this is the only time we see him. Who we do see again mm-hmm. is Greg Grunberg as Snap Wexley from yes. the Aftermath books. I love you, Snap. Yes. I love you, Greg Grunberg. <laughs> Where's Mr. Bones? And I love that you made a Heroes reference earlier that yes. we're now talking about Greg Grunberg. I know, right? Like, go watch Heroes. Well, at least the first season and go watch Lost. The first season. All of it. <laughs> Just do it. Yeah. All right. Next, my unbearables. I don't have a lot that we haven't already covered. Does Donald Gleason go a little over the top in his kind of like pure speech? You're damn right he does. And I am here for it. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Mm-hmm. Give me more if it's possible, because that was amazing. I do hate what happens to Ilum. Yes. And we really don't even know yeah. that it's that sacred Jedi planet, unless you dig deeper. It's just kind of sad when a planet literally explodes. But the fact that it's Ilum, where the younglings go to get their kyber crystals, is devastating. So sad. Like, where are they getting their crystals from now? Are they all going to have to be like world between worlds acquisitions or what's happening? We'll talk about it in another episode farther on, but there is a point in canon where they pretty much confirm that Ilum is Starkiller base and it is devastating. It's awful. It's just awful. Like, why are we doing this? And Jetta's gone. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) And Jetta too. Yeah, all these beautiful sacred places of the Jedi get destroyed and gotta be somewhere where we can get but the you gotta make you gotta make the you gotta make the bigger death star we talked about in return of the jedi they, <laughs> yes. they blew it up so yes. you make a bigger one now they blew that the up guess what we're gonna make a really big one <laughs> you guys picture this bigger <laughs> all the same stats. thing but bigger yes, yes death star thing. two electric boogaloo <laughs> <laughs> exactly two death star two furious that's what we need i also thought when daniel brought up the new republic before it's super confusing when Hosnian Prime is destroyed. A lot of mm-hmm. people thought it was Coruscant because they don't say where they are. They just, we see a city planet get destroyed. Mm-hmm. So people right. are like, holy shit, is that Coruscant? No, it's not. It's Hosnian Prime where the New Republic and the Senate are located currently. But still, like, it, somebody could have said it in the dialogue somewhere. Explain like, it. Yeah, when they're on Takodana. Finn could have been like, holy shit, that was Hosnian Prime. That's where the New Republic is. We got to get out of here, guys. Yeah. And that would have been fun. But very small nits to pick in this movie, which is, I love it. I love it this movie so It is much. just delightful. Mm-hmm. Well, then, Colleen, do you want to take us into our next segment here where we talk about mm-hmm. wh- what does this film do to kind of build on what came before it? This is all building a franchise, building a story. Heck Yes. All right, so during the prequels, we got a sense of the training that the clone troopers went through. But after the Empire took over and stormtroopers were being trained, we didn't really get a sense of how until a little bit in Rebels when we saw the recruits. And these are recruits that join up. They're not forcibly made to join. Mm -hmm. 
But then in the sequels, we get references from Phasma and Hux about things like conditioning, reprogramming, taking control and training them from birth. So this is like old fashioned Jedi style. We're taking children, (laughs) we're training them up to be what we want them to be. It all gives us kind of a clear insight into what it takes to build yourself an army. And also Mm -hmm. we get that comment from Kylo about using clones instead like maybe we should like call up Rex if he's still alive and see how we can get some clones yeah and we get probably one of the cooler lightsabers i mean it's always the dark side users have the coolest lightsabers in these yeah they do um we have this new variation with kylo ren's saber the prequels gave us that double bladed the curved hilt and here we get the cross guard Mm -hmm. that kylo uses uh, its design is from the Scourge of Malachor era, and it does use Ben's original lightsaber hilts. Mm-hmm. Oh, I didn't know that. That's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, so they don't really explain it in the films, but the saber uses a broken kyber crystal. Uh, so that accounts for the blade being unstable. So and it looks so cool. Right? And I believe it's because Ben uh, kind of breaks it when he's trying to bleed it. Yeah. Um, yeah, and so his blade is unstable and it creates that fiery appearance. So the Knights of Ren and the original Ren's lightsaber are explored in the Rise of Kylo Ren comics. Mm-hmm. Uh, the original leader of the Knights of Ren is named, guess again, or guess it, guess it, Ren. Ren. And he's Ren. referred to, he refers to his own red lightsaber as the Ren. Yeah. Um, so he's very super creative, obviously. Um, I assume he's got something also named the Stimpy. <laughs> Uh, I was waiting, waiting yeah. for somebody to say that. Yeah. I would think that that would be like his big round shield, but he he wouldn't have one because he wouldn't think he needs one. And then next up, we get Jakku in an ode to Tatooine. But instead of moisture farming being the main trade, we get something else. Jakku was the site of the climactic battle between the Alliance and the Empire six months after Return of the Jedi, and as such is littered with debris. A small scavenger trade makes a bunch of sense for an obscure system. And one of the things that I think was absolutely incredible and chilling is that moment when Rey is trying to clean some of what she had found, and Mm -hmm. she looks over at the older woman who's doing the same thing, and you can just see it's just kind of like this is the future that awaits you, but you know that something more is in store. Not that there is anything wrong with having a trade and living your life as a trade, but you could you could get a sense that that was not the life that Ray wanted for herself. I'm so right. glad you brought that up. Yeah. That's another one of those perfect show don't tell moments. Yes. yes. Even though she desperately wants to stay there because of her mm-hmm. parents, you, she can feel this kind of pull like, but do I really want to stay here? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes. And I will also say, in addition to Jakku being an ode to Tatooine, um, Takodana, the forest planet with Maz's canteen on it, the forest there is an ode to Endor from Return of the Jedi. And then the snow on Starkiller Base is meant to evoke Empire Strikes Back. So they did consciously want to call back to all three of the original trilogy movies, kind of most famous locations with that. Yeah. So good. Yeah. Maz's castle is amazing. Oh, it just looks so oh, yeah. freaking With a cool. giant statue of her. I'm like, you go, girl. You've been alive <laughs> for a thousand years. You should have a statue. Love it. All right. And then moving on to our next piece here, not only are we just building kind of the world around us here, we are building our concept of the Force. So what this film tells us about the Force and kind of builds on our understanding of what you could do with it. So 
one of the coolest moments from the opening. In Empire Strikes Back, we do see Darth Vader just kind of stick up his hand and deflect, absorb those blaster bolts. But you think that might have something to do with his armor. And the opening scene here, Kylo Ren just straight up stops a blaster <laughs> with yeah. his mind. And yeah. holds it for the entire interaction. I mean, this absolutely blew my mind away when it happened. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. The constant I sound of it just shimmering in air is so unnerving. And then he walks away and then finally it lets out and it explodes. And it, it shocked me the first time. I wasn't even ready for that. Yeah. yeah. I paid like extra close attention because I couldn't remember like what happens to it in the end if he like manages to dissipate it or if he does let it go eventually or whatever this time and oh well it isn't like because poe is kneeling in front of him at this point so the blaster bolt is like pointed now at poe and at (laughs) him but Mm -hmm. poe would be like the body that's stopping the blaster bolt that he fired trying to shoot kylo like oh damn he's real good at torturing Mm. speaking of torture (laughs) kylo's mind probing is a little more forceful okay extremely much more forceful than anything we've seen in a film before we did mm-hmm. see it a little bit in the clone wars but that was three jedi kind of mind probe teaming up against cad bane who had kind of this he, he could fight back against the mind probe but here kylo breaks poe pretty easily and poe strikes me as somebody who would be very strong and resistant to that kind of thing so it's really scary sarah said it before the acting in those scenes is so intense. This is oh, like yeah. the whole sh- bamboo shoots under the fingernails kind of stuff happening. Like, ooh. Yeah, they, they sell it so well in that moment. So we also see Force Visions take a serious step up. Um, we get a combo of the past and the future, and we see it from several different places and peoples, and uh, different people are speaking. You just get uh, a much more visceral Force Vision than we've ever seen. Yeah, it doesn't have that like weird shimmering like border around it that we've seen in the past. It's everything is like a very crystal clear image. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's she's really surrounded fast. by it. Yeah, and then w- what sparks that vision in Maz's castle is touching Luke's saber. So this hints at this ability that is explored in um, some of the Legends and Clone Wars stuff. Uh, shouts to our guy Quinlan Voss, and that's the concept of. I've always never sure if it's psychometry or psychometry. I think psychometry. At least that's what I think so. In my head. And then yeah. this is this like kind of obscure force ability that you can actually like read an object's history through the force by touching it. Oh, cool. So by reaching out and touching yeah. Luke's saber, you're like absorbing and viewing everything that it has experienced. Mm-hmm. It's wow. wild when you think about it. Ray kind of has everybody's powers. Yeah. She has the healing ability. She can kind of commune with animals that we see in the later films. And then this with the psychometry, like she's pulling from like all kinds of different skill sets. Because she's had to cool. use them all. Mm-hmm. Right. In right, her, right, in her right. kind of growing up. And then before we get to our questions, um, one of the things that I thought was super cool is Kylo just waves his hand to knock Ray out. Like, <laughs> Speaking of how powerful Ray is, Kylo is pretty damn powerful himself. We always talk yeah. about him feeling inadequate and inferior to Darth Vader, but who we does he knock a punch with the Force? Yeah, and we need to talk real quick about he takes a bolt from Chewie's bolt caster yeah. straight to his stomach, walks all the way into the forest, 
has a fight with Finn and a fight with Ray and is still alive from all of that. Yeah. I know some going. people are like, why doesn't he beat them both? He got shot He's in the stomach. Injured. <laughs> is that why himself? He... Yeah, okay, thank you. To, um, That's why he's beating his the dark stomach. Side. Yeah. Because yep. the anger and the pain fuels the dark side. Oh, gross. I, I love that. <laughs> yes. Again, show don't tell. Such a, like, if for the people who, like, you know, dive real deep into legends and things like that, I, I pointed that out right away when I watched it the first time. I knew exactly what it was doing because it's like, this is just perfect little Star Wars things that they sprinkle in. Yeah. Yeah. Man, literally too angry to die. That's yes. basically what we've got. Oh, yes. that's small. That's small. Yeah, that is small. <laughs> so oh. I have kind of three questions related to the force. Is it okay if we get to those now? Yeah. Absolutely. Okay, so the first one has to do with Ray coming into contact with Luke and Vader's lightsaber. So Obi Wan tells her, "These are your first steps," mm-hmm. but. Oh my goodness, what an absolutely terrifying way to come into contact with a lightsaber. (laughs) I'm used to it being way less traumatizing. No, I mean, how often? I I think it's really cool that we understand now why Ray was seeing what she was seeing because I certainly didn't get that from the movies alone. But how often is it that a kyber crystal acquisition or lightsaber acquisition is this traumatizing? Because if I were Ray, I'd want to run away from this destiny as well. That is not normal. The yeah. Kyber crystal will call out to you. So like right. Ray being called out to it, that's very normal. But then her having that that very scary vision is is not something that most Jedi are ever going to have. Um, I think that more ties to her position in the universe and and being that light side that's rising that the Force is bringing up. Um, so I think it has more to do with who she is rather than the actual lightsaber acquisition process. Okay. And her ties did... to Kylo too, I think are yeah. really yeah. prevalent there. Okay. And how did Maz get this glorious lightsaber? Because <laughs> wowee, <laughs> what a treasure tro- trove to just have. And we don't know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so rude. This is one of the lingering questions in star wars that we don't we don't get an answer to in one of the comics by charles sewell and ugnaught finds it in cloud city but that's like the last point that we know of yeah they said they were going to try and cover it and then our hopes were dashed okay and then you guys how do you guys think she found it it's one of those things that I, I mean, it's Maz. She has so yeah. much history to, she's involved in so many different things. Like I wouldn't be surprised if she would, if, if we found out she was actually Lando's like silent partner in cloud city. She's, she's also force sensitive. So I would not be surprised if the force just called out to her and she's like, yes. Oh, I don't know why, but I need to keep this. Like that that's how the I most likely to me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, my last one has to also do with a lightsaber. And I wanted to know why in the world didn't the lightsaber cut through the weapon that the stormtrooper was wielding when Finn and the stormtrooper fought? Because you'd think it would have. So true. Mm -hmm. I have a couple guesses for this. It's an electro baton. 
that he's using. I looked that up because I'm like, what the frick? Sarah's right. Yeah. Like, what is happening here? It could be like General Grievous had those guards that were the magnet droids that had electrostaffs. Yep, which it's the same could tech. withstand the lightsaber strikes in Clone mm -hmm. Wars. It's like, okay, gotcha. so that could be it. It could also be using cortosis, which is a material that can deflect a lightsaber, but that was more about absorbing the energy instead of deflecting it. So it's probably more like the electrostaff, where it's mm -hmm. more like dispersing the energy instead of absorbing it. Yeah, I think it's some kind of electrostaff or like the vibroblades that we see the uh, Snoke's guards use in the next yeah. film. Yeah. Um, it's not I Beskar. Also, it's definitely not Beskar. And I do actually yes. want to call out that, Daniel, getting back again to your thing where this movie is showing and not telling. So we have a stormtrooper with one of these, Summiton, whatever it is. So then it would stand to reason that Finn would be somewhat proficient in this throughout his stormtrooper training. Mm -hmm. So when you combine that plus Kylo getting shot with the crossbow, does provide the explanation for when people are like, oh, how can Finn just like pick up the lightsaber and start using it? Well, he does know how to use handheld weapons. And yeah. Kylo, and Kylo so is dying. dying. Yeah, he's really a soldier. Dying. Like, Yeah. Even if he is a janitor, he still was trained how to do this stuff. Like, Exactly. <laughs> that's also one of my favorite parts. Like, what? <laughs> janitor. Like, so rude. Don't be mean so. to him. <laughs> One one thing I do want to bring up before we uh, come to a close is, you know, we talked about show, don't tell, um, but it seems like JJ did a little bit of a don't ask, don't tell in this movie because yeah. <laughs> I'm so sorry, Colleen, I didn't realize you are taking a drink at that moment. Right while I'm drinking. <laughs> um, Rewatching this today, why are you going to have Oscar Isaac do that sexy ass lip bite when he sees Finn again and he's like, you're a good man. Mm, does a little lip bite. Like it looks good on you. Come on. Queer baiting through the roof. They have such sparkling chemistry and then they do that. And then I, I'm going to go ahead to last Jedi for a second too. When they reframe the Han and Leia hallway scene. Yeah. I'm like, you can't throw us these little, little things like that you know what emotions it's going to evoke you can't have those two hot like energizing people on screen yeah. together with such good chemistry and not have shippers go through the roof um right. so jj yes. you abused my little queer heart because i saw them oh. on screen and i was like if i get this hot ass gay couple in star wars yeah. i will die with happiness and they took yes. it away from me it would have been so cool to have the love triangle be about Finn yeah, and that he's got Ray on one side and Poe on the other. And he's like, how can I pick between these two hot people? Oh, Oscar <laughs> Isaac, obviously. <laughs> I mean, they're both hot. I get it for either way, but like, no, it was there. Oscar Isaac's right yeah. there. Yeah. The chemistry is insane. I thought they were going to kiss a couple times and I was like, are they yes. going to do it? Are they going to do it? Is Star Wars going to do it? No, they're not going to fucking do it. No. <laughs> that would have been incredible. All right, guys. Well, with that, I think we are going to wrap up our main discussion for today. So let's go into recommendations. Colleen, kick us off. Mm -hmm. All right. So if you're like Anders and really need to know who Laura Santaka is, you'll have to mm -hmm. read the Poe Dameron comics by Charles Sewell, which isn't too bad because Poe's in them and he's hot. <laughs> it's Oscar Isaac for a lot of comics, you guys. It's great. Mm. For other comics, definitely check out the Dr. Aphra series by Kieran Gillen. 
It's like if Indiana Jones was a badass woman with no morals, who also teams okay, up with Darth sold. Vader at some point. <laughs> sold. Yeah, it's hysterical. She is amazing. Zero morals. Like, not. Zero. And droids. She's got awesome droids, Sarah. Oh, who yay. Also, also have no morals. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's even better. It's so good, you guys. I love Dr. Afra. I hope they bring her to the screen at some point because yes. that would be amazing. The audio, the uh, the audio book that's audio out with player. her right now. Yeah, yes. it's really good. Mm-hmm. I need to get that book. Put that down in my notes to get that book. And then this one is also one of my favorite things. I usually do the Star Wars Rex, but this one, since The Force Awakens, is basically a retelling of A New Hope. Lore Olympus by Rachel Smythe is a webcomic that retells the Greek myth of Hades and Persephone but with a modern twist. I love when an artist can take something old and make it their own, make it new. The art in this comic is stunningly beautiful. And you can kind of see her artist progression because she gets better as she keeps drawing Mm -hmm. and keeps writing the story. It's so moving. It's really funny. I will say trigger warnings aplenty for sexual content, including- Like good sexual content or bad sexual content? Both oh bummer there's there's a lot of angst there's a lot of Hades and Persephone are fated to be together romance and they're adorable they're so cute but then also horrific things happen because of course they do there's all kinds of trauma with Hades and being eaten by his dad and then there's Mm. trauma for Persephone with Apollo that I will not go into because it's horrible but also please read the comic (laughs) because it's really good and Hades and Persephone as a couple are super pure and super like adorable dorks trying to fall in love it's just it's very cute recommend for everybody it is going to be a book at some point and they are planning a tv show cool so we'll have that going out there for star wars books though there isn't a ton of sequel content like there is for the prequels and the original trilogy but if you're interested in the time period try phasma which is of course about our girl phasma and then Galaxy's Edge, Black Spire. These are both written by Delilah S. Dawson. Uh, so my recommendations this week are things that... I, I didn't really have any Star Wars ones, because like you said, there's Not almost no sequel content for like the video games or anything like that. Um, so I, I tried to find things that I thought were spiritually similar to, uh, to this movie. So while very totally different, I said Mad Max Fury Road. Uh, so this 2015 film, they're both 2015 films. You're jumping back wow. into an old franchise after a gap. Uh, new characters and actors are taking the forefront. Badass uh, women. Badass women. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so very tonally different, but I think the that desert. goes well with it. Yeah, deserts. <laughs> uh, also, so I've recommended Avatar The Last Fairbender before. I'm also going to recommend its follow-up series, Legend of Korra. Um, so again, following up a beloved series with fascinating concepts and characters, bit of controversial runs and splits the fandom in some ways, but at the same time is a fantastic series featuring a badass, badass woman in Korra. Um, and her growth throughout that series, much like Ray's growth throughout this trilogy, is really, really fun to watch. Um, and then there's one more I just want to add because I thought of this while I mentioned video games. Um because we're talking about badass women who have like good character and are, are well told, I want to recommend a game called Hellblade Senua's Sacrifice. So that is about uh, a woman named Senua who is part of a um, 
excuse me, she's part of a druid tribe and she is dealing with the emotional loss of a partner's death. And you have to play the game with headphones on because she is going through psychosis and other mental uh, illnesses and problems as she's trying to deal with this. And it's less about, you know, combat and all that as much as it is, is you are experiencing the story of what she goes through. And she's a very strong character and a very well presented character. Um, it's so very tough to play, um, but it's it's very worth it. And so because we're talking about strong women, I, I thought that was very, uh, very worth mentioning. Very, very awesome. cool. All right. I'm going to start off my recommendations uh, with the novelization of this movie. This one is written by Alan Dean Foster. As always, some great just like extra details included. One actually major change that he makes is he changes how the Starkiller weapon gets powered. They don't do the whole drain the sun thing, hmm. which is one thing I, I do remember wondering about when I was like, okay, it drains the sun. Does that mean it has to move to a new solar system to to power itself again? Like Ken, right. does it have hyperdrive on a planet? <laughs> um, That's that Noma Sakat out there. <laughs> But in the novelization, it uses, I think they use like a dark matter type explanation or okay, something, cool. something along those lines to explain how it powers itself. I would also recommend uh, The Perfect Weapon. This is another story by uh, Delilah S. Dawson. Uh, it's a short story novella about Bayzine Natal, who is the bounty hunter in Maz's Cantina that contacts mm-hmm. the First Order. Oh, cool. So she's got that, she's that. She's got those like really like long black fingers going on and stuff. And a cool voice. Yes. Very cool voice. And then if you're into science fiction, reboot sequel series and stuff, I have to recommend Star Trek Discovery. Uh, currently on Paramount Plus was CBS All Access. It's such a good show. And it's such Bad a great- Women. More mm-hmm. badass women. Now Captain Michael Burnham taking center. center. <laughs> Love Michelle Yao too. Yes. Michelle Yao, yes. So many great characters. Wait, did you just say Michelle Yao's in this? Yes. Yeah, Michelle Yao's in this. <laughs> okay, I guess I'm gonna have to watch Star Trek. All right, and Sarah, how about you? Um, speaking of badass women, I highly, highly, highly recommend. It's called The Great, and it has to do with Catherine the Great's rise to power. Um, I believe it's on Netflix right now. I think it came uh, out. I think it's Hulu. Hulu. Oh, is it Hulu? The yeah, it's yeah. Hulu. Um, it is so worth the Hulu investment for that short amount of time. It's mm-hmm. got comedy in it. It's got a little bit of, I don't want to say horror, but they don't shy away from blood spilling. Um, they do show what it's like a bit. And it's just a fantastic show that I mm-hmm. really hope they do a second season of at a minimum. Oh, I seriously hope so. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> All right. Well, thank well, you. Badass women we've got. I know. Oh, right? yeah. Well, thank you all for joining us today. Uh, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at YASWPod. Subscribe or follow us wherever you get your podcasts. Check out all the offerings in the Forgotten Entertainment family at ForgottenEntertainment.com. You can also find Sarah, Colleen, and I on Bohemian Geek Studies, where we are currently diving into Star Wars Rebels. Woot woot. Woo. Watch Rebels. Watch Rebels. 
then you can find Colleen's book reviews on bohemiangeekstudies.com where she's reviewing Star Wars literature. And tune in again next time when Sarah will be back with us as we head straight yes. to Canto Bite and discuss episode eight, The Last Jedi. Yay. What a great title. What a, great a good title. movie. <laughs> oh, all the titles of this series are so good. Yeah, I can't wait to talk about this movie next week. <laughs> all right, bye everybody. Right, bye you guys. Bye. bye. <laughs>